0: The scripture reading is this morning is Matthew ten verses sixteen through thirty three. See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. "'Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, "'and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, "'and you will be hated by all because of my name. "'But the one who endures to the end will be saved. "'When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. "'For truly I tell you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel "'before the Son of Man comes.' A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher, and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Belzebel, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known." What I say to you in the dark, tell them in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: Mm. I do not have a written sermon today. We're going to do things a little different. Say different, church. Let's try again. Say different. Different. Say that's okay. okay. It's going to be all right. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, let your presence be known here this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight so that these, your people, may see more of thee and less of me until they see all of thee and none of me. In Jesus' name, amen. As you saw in the video, our bishop is on fire. She's walking up and down the aisle, she's standing on chairs, she's grabbing hands. So I'm going to emulate some of that today. I'm going to take what I can and use it to the benefit of the kingdom. I don't have something written up this morning because I want to make sure that it is the Holy Spirit that is moving and working in everything that we're doing and saying. Not to say I haven't thought it through or planned it out because the things we're going to talk about today have been consuming me fully. Fully. I would also be remiss to not point out that this concludes our first year of ministry together. I have been here for a whole year. Thank you. I know for some people it feels like much longer than that. Uh, maybe even for this service since I've been doing music for since 2014. But one year as your associate pastor for Outreach and Witness. So as the associate pastor for outreach and witness, I have no qualms in telling you openly and honestly, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. It's the hardest thing I've ever done to get up every day and to come here and to do ministry. It is not easy work, but it is good work and it is holy work. Every time I come downtown I'm doing something. I can't even bring my family downtown without running into somebody who needs something or wants something. But it's so good. I have seen the best of humanity and who God is calling us to be. I have never been more sure that there is a God than I am today because of how God has picked people up and brought them together. As I walk around this community and meet new people, God says, Phil, you need to feed this person. You need to drive this man home. You need to take this woman to the hospital. You need to buy this lady lunch. This family needs a ride to a shelter. And it is beyond coincidental how God has brought me together. I have broken up fights on the downtown mall I have called the police, the fire department, and the rescue squad all on separate occasions, to the steps of our church, even. So it is unlike anything I've ever done. And so you could imagine how excited I was to hear the bishop, to hear the bishop talk, because she is on fire. If anybody in that room at conference was to literally catch fire, it would have been her. And hearing her talk reminded me of how flammable I really am. So, we're going to talk about a few things today. And as I come to the end of this first year as clergy and doing clergy ministry, if you had told me that I would be using a lot of my time and energy to prepare. For the Ku Klux Klan and the alt-right in dealing with white supremacy, I would have asked you if it was still 1937. But here we are. So this is the bishop's vision for the Virginia Annual Conference, a new thing. God is doing a new thing. And she says, our ministry vision for the Virginia Annual Conference is to be disciples of Jesus Christ who are lifelong learners. Say lifelong. Say lifelong. Children, does that apply to your parents? Parents, does that apply to your children? Does that apply to grandparents and their little bitty babies? Lifelong learners. Doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, there is something to learn. Learners. Say learners. There is information you need to have. No matter how old you are, what you've done, where you've been, or what you think you know, the Spirit, we serve a living God. And that living God is present and active and moving. So there's always going to be something new to learn, something new to grasp, something new that we have to take a hold of. There's more information to gather. Lifelong learners who influence others, say influence. Influence. I'm influence. I'm going to influence you today. Be ready. I'm going to put forward what I believe to be a very good argument and some very good stuff so that you will be influenced to do what? To serve. So as the associate pastor for outreach and witness, I saw the bishop put this up, and I was like, yes, validation. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go. We're going to learn. We're going to influence others to serve. And I was all like, yes, 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 we're going to do it. And Jesus says, hold up, Phil. this is already happening. Where I have put you, this is already being done. This is why you're here. Because your church has already decided that they want to do this. They created a whole new position to have an associate pastor for outreach and witness. They want somebody to come in and lead them to do just this. And I said, oh, you're right, Jesus. We're already doing this. You guys are a year ahead Of every other church in the conference, in terms of what you have said that you wanted. So here we are. So, as part of my sermon today, we're going to go over these three things. I'm going to give you information that I think you need to have, important information that I want you to be aware of. And I'm going to attempt to influence you using my position as your pastor. You are my sheep. Whether you want to be or not, this is where the bishop has assigned us. And whether you are older or younger than me, you are my sheep and I love you. And I'm going to influence you in love. That may mean encouragement, hope, motivation, and all the good things. It may mean being rebuked. Confrontation, we may have that but I'm going to influence you to do something, and hopefully it is to serve. So before we get too deep into it, I want us to look at some of this through a couple um, different contexts. These are the lenses through which I want us to be thinking today. I want us to think about who Jesus is, what he has called us to do, and who we are and where we're starting from. So those four areas of context. The first one, who is Jesus, who is God? You just affirmed in the baptism, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, His Son, Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus to you? The lens in which I look through it is Jesus Christ, the Lord of our salvation, filled with full majesty and glory, the Alpha and Omega, the physical manifestation of God on earth, was born to an unwed mother, teenage mother, an unwed teenage mother, to an unimportant people in an unimportant part of the world and lived under the oppression of the Roman state. Jesus Christ was born to an unwed teenage mother to an unimportant people who lived in an unimportant part of the world and lived under the occupation of the Roman Empire. Now, I don't know what that means to you, but to me, when I look for Jesus, what does Jesus look like? If that, if that is Jesus, who is Jesus in this church? Do we have somebody who represents that today of who Jesus was? To me, Jesus looks a lot more like Philando Castile than he does Warren Buffett. Looks more like Michael Brown than the Koch brothers. That's just me. But that's who Jesus was. And so what has Jesus called us to do? In everything that I can find, for the most part, Jesus says, you do it. You go. You be. You take care of it. You follow me. They're hungry. You feed them. Go in my name. Even at the beginning of Matthew 10, our scripture today, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out to cure every disease. And he sent them out with the following instructions. He is sending them. He is saying, go. All that Jesus says to do is you go and you do the work of the kingdom and you do it in my name. I am giving you the power and the authority to go and to do the work. Because here's the thing about God, God is backwards. God is upside down and inside out. The Lord of all creation is born in a feeding trough for pigs and animals, that's backwards. Shouldn't happen like that. Tells us to pray for our enemies. That's crazy town. I don't wanna do that, I wanna fight. But that God doesn't work that way. The shepherd is sending out the sheep. not right there is a time and a place for this in this moment for um if you need healing if you need love if you need compassion if you need to be made whole then yes come to jesus because he will do that jesus will make you whole and will heal you but in this moment you are not meant to stay here unless you are dead those who are dead go into the internal embrace of jesus christ but those who are living come to be healed and sent back out to do the work That's what this is for, the scapular, the work of the people. I am gathering the grain. Okay? So as followers of Jesus Christ, we've got to think about who Christ is and what Christ has called us to do. Who has Christ called us to be? And so in order to do that, we have to look through the context of who are we? Who is First United Methodist Church and what are we doing? Who are we? Well, as United Methodists, we got a couple things going for us. We are deeply rooted in grace, the prevenient, the justifying and the sanctifying grace of God, the grace that comes before us, the grace that cleanses us in the moment we believe and the ongoing journey of grace. That's who we are. But even more than that, of the global United Methodist Church, you are first United Methodist Church. Who are you? What are your values? What's your vision? What's your mission? Does anybody know? Here's a friendly little booklet that we hand out to all of our guests and visitors. It recently got a facelift with um, our new staff members and things like that. But you've been handing this out since before I came to do music. So for however many years, this is who you have said you are. On page three of this booklet, it says our mission and our vision and our core values. Maybe this will help. Again, this isn't me. This is you. This was decided by you. All enter into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, discover, cultivate, and use their spiritual gifts to minister to others. Oh, that's very nice. That sounds good. We are called to be a church where people are enthusiastic about worshiping together and are filled with the Holy Spirit. Check. Worship is good in this church. Music is good in this church. We can worship. Check. Number two, all persons participate. All persons participate in spiritual growth opportunities and outreach ministries. All persons. Oh, this is a good one. Number three. All persons support, uplift, and challenge one another as the body of Christ. You tell our guests that you like to be challenged. You like it. You want them to know about it on the third page of this booklet. We want to be challenged. Let's challenge one another. You support a vital and growing children's youth ministry? All right. Oh, and number five. Number five will get you every time. We reflect the diversity of our community. What community are you reflecting? Let me ask you this question real quick: How many people live within a mile and a half of the church? Let me give you the the parameters: to UVA, to John Paul Jones, to Fashion, to Fashion, to Kroger, roughly, to Charlottesville High School, to Martha Jefferson, to um, whole, uh, the uh, the uh, The big Wegmans. That's roughly a mile and a half from our church. Who lives within that mile and a half circle? (whistles) So most of us here live outside of this downtown community, which means that God has called you into it. And I know this because you've told that to me a million times. I came on right before your 90th anniversary celebration. We are a downtown church. God has planted us. We could have built somewhere else, but we're going to stay here. And we're going to minister to the downtown community. And we're going to do that. And we believe in this mission so much that we're going to dump millions of dollars into this physical building over the last 10 years. Millions. You have given millions of dollars to this church to do downtown ministry to a downtown community. And God is calling you clearly, because you're not going to give all that money if God's not telling you to do it, to do ministry downtown. That's who you are. You are the people that God has called together to do this ministry in this church, in this community. Your core values, number one, spiritual faithfulness. Number two, discipleship. We accept a lifelong commitment to think and act more like Jesus Christ. Experience of community. Community. Calls and gifts. And number five, I told you, number five will get you every time. Your fifth core value, openness to change. We accept the risks involved in responding to God's call. This is you. That's who you are and what you have affirmed for God to use you for. Those are the lenses through which I want us to think today. Because there is a problem. There is a need for us and our church that we need to assess. And the problem here is that the Ku Klux Klan is coming to Charlottesville. This is not something that people are making up. This is not just you know speaking in general terms. The loyal white knights of the KKK are coming over here to the courthouse square area to protest and raise a fuss. For an hour on July 8th. That's something that's happening. So here's where we we need to be wise as serpents. You need to know what's coming. You need to have this information. This is part of your lifelong learning. They are not just FYI. They are not coming to feed the poor, to clothe the homeless, to build houses or provide money for medical services. They're not here to volunteer at our soup kitchen, or to donate clothes or food to a food bank. They're coming with hate and fear, oppression, white supremacy, and Lord knows what else. Now, just some more information. This group's permit is for roughly 80 to 90 people to come to the courthouse, which is down the street, um, for an hour. This group is led by a gentleman who was a former informant for the FBI. They have organized events before that have actually brought together around 100 people. That's roughly their influence. Um, They've also organized events that they've canceled at the last minute because the community has pushed back on it so hard. So they've canceled it. So on July 8th, there's potential for there to be 100 people in sheets and hoods or ten people. I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know that people will be there. People will be there either out of morbid curiosity, the press will be there, Um, other activist groups will be present, the city is planning a whole host of activities and events and all these other things. And I know this because I am a lifelong learner. I have sat in meetings with the police department, with the mayor, I have said in meetings with Surge, Apoc, the Antifa. I have spoken with national leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement. Charlottesville has the potential to be the next Tinderbox that could be Ferguson, and be this could be an international news moment. So this is legit. This is serious, and I feel like you need to have this information. This group coming on July 8th. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what it's. I don't know what's going to happen with that. But what I do know is that it is a precursor. And it is our town's trial run as we prepare for this next event. How about that fun piece of propaganda? You see up there statues from Charlottesville, Richmond, New Orleans. You see cartoon army men that are internet memes and nonsense like that. You see confederate flags. You see Nazi eagles there behind it. And you see a whole host of speakers and entertainers that are white supremacists, white, nationalers, white nationalists, local bloggers, musicians, those steeped in internet and um, uh, what's the word I want, where you make things look nice? Um, graphic designers. Um, you see people who are podcast hosts that are on neo-Nazi websites. So these are all coming together. And just so we're clear, this is not about the statues anymore. I think you all know where I stand on that. And if you disagree with me, that's great, because we're supposed to challenge one another. That's okay. We can challenge one another on that. You say you want that. I say okay. All right? But this is not about that right now. This goes beyond that in a very big way. So this is coming, and this is going to be a big one. And this is a group that has a permit for uh, 400 people plus. And they have pulled together a whole roster of people from who are known nationally in those circles. And I know that because not only am I meeting with these groups, I'm following these groups on Twitter and Facebook. Because I need to know all of this information. Because our church, God has put this church, and we have committed to God bringing us together in this church and put us into this thing. We are not a city with a church in it. We are a church with a city around it. And we are called to minister to that city. And so this is a problem. And there are times when God puts a problem in front of you, and you can trip on it, or you can jump over it. But problems are good things. Problems are not to be avoided. There is nothing biblical that says we should close our doors and ignore this. Nothing scriptural about it. In fact, James, Jesus' brother, first thing he says in his letter, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Oof. Because you know that this testing... And maybe this is part of the reasoning for these booklets. The testing of your faith produces endurance. And in this endurance, if you let it have its full effect, you will be mature and complete. And you will lack in nothing. So these are good. And by the way, this is not about them. Them coming and doing this and saying these things and being here is not about them. It doesn't reflect on them. They're going to be crazy and do who they are, but this is reflective on the church and our city and our community. We have failed at some point between 1937 and today to make sure that this is not okay. This is not the world that we want for our children and our children's children. So somewhere we have all messed up, and just so it's not an onus on anybody who's been here before, these people are my age they are 40 and younger who are coming to do this. So it's an everybody thing that we need to to do this. We need to get on this. And we can't ignore it. We can't deny it. We can't run from it. We can't rationalize it. We cannot be Jonah in this situation. We got to do it. So hopefully I have provided you with some information that I think you need. Hopefully I have influenced you to want to do something. So now what are we gonna do? Tomorrow night at Mount Zion First African Baptist Church at 6 o'clock there will be a community meeting that is led by members of the Clergy Collective of which myself, Harry and Al Horton have all been a part of and the Clergy Collective will be meeting this meeting to provide opportunities for us and people of faith within our town to react And be proactive and still reactive to these events, because they're not yet here. This morning at 6 a.m., I met with four other pastors down at the the Sprint Pavilion to pray. And we prayed. And there is daily prayer happening between now through this event on the 12th that will be happening. This information is already changing and fluid. New information is coming out every day, and I will do my best to make sure that you have the information that you need to respond. There are prayer events. There are activities going on. There are concerts. The city's putting on whole concerts. There's other things like this. But I want you to know very specifically that God's house is going to be open to God's people to do the work of God's kingdom. We're not going to close the doors on this million dollar building to this downtown community when it needs us the most because this group is coming to the park across the street. And we're going to love them. We're going to love them because they're not ready for that. They're coming to fight. They're coming to do battle. And they're not ready for what we got. This is why the gospel is so dangerous Because it can change the world. And don't tell me my God can't do it. Because God can do it. So we are going to be praying for our enemies. That's holy work. That's God's work. To break hearts of stone. We are going to go out like sheep among the wolves. Fully knowing what we're doing. But we will be innocent as doves. We are not going to worry about what we're going to say. Because God is going to give us the words to say it. And we cannot be afraid of them. We should be afraid of disappointing God. Because God has gifted us with this opportunity. So don't be afraid of what's coming, of what's out there, or what might happen, or who's holding what gun. Mm-mm. Fear not. The most widely, most used phrase in the Bible, fear not. We got work to do and we're going to do it. There is information, a whole packet of information that was sent out to your church council. Every ministry team and ministry chair has this information that they can share with you. We need to be talking about it. We need to know what's going on, and we need to be present and able to respond to the needs of the community, especially when it's this serious. So they have that. I encourage you, within your spheres of influence, this is mine, but you have yours to go from here. Within your spheres of influence, who do you need to be talking to? What conversations do you need to be having that are influencing others to serve? Because that is how they will know. They will know the God that I serve. By how much I love them. We will walk with each other, we will work side by side and they will know we are Christians by our love. And they are not ready for that. But we're going to bring it to them. Who is God? What does God want us to do? Who are we? What kind of position are we in to do it? I'm trying to think if there's anything else I was supposed to say. I had a whole list of things in my hand I wanted to t- tell you about. But that may be it. You got to talk about it. You got to think about it. You got to know about it. And you got to do it. I'm in.